It's Speaking with Gravity. On this podcast, we talk about mental health and how everything affects everything. With every episode, the goal is to have a conversation that will make you think, make you feel, make you do what is best for you. This isn't therapy, it's a podcast. Welcome back to Speaking with Gravity. I am one of your hosts, Kervin. Hey guys, I'm Hannah. Hi, I'm Montrese Carrington. And today we are going to talk about diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yep. And tell the truth about different diagnoses that we talk about when it comes down to mental health. Everybody feels like <laughs> they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even if they don't feel like it, they just kind of throw these words around. Oh, you, you bipolar mm-hmm. or... Well, I don't hear too many people say you schizo, but, you know, you <laughs> hear de- definitely hear bipolar a lot. Mm-hmm, yeah. a lot. Uh, even when, uh, and I, I shouldn't, I should not do this because I'm a therapist, but my brother's a Gemini. And so I always yeah. pick at him and tell him he bipolar. Mm-hmm. I should not do that, but he's my brother. Mm-hmm. So, so you can <laughs> we do just, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we do that uh, amongst ourselves. So to get into the, the, uh, the discussion for today. We're going to um, do our QD of the hour first to kind of set us up. Uh, and QD of the hour is just another version of fun facts. You know, we're talking about mental health, so maybe you'll remember our QD of the hour and go present it to somebody one day. Right. Okay, so our QD of the hour. Bipolar is one of the most frequently misdiagnosed mental health issues. Somewhere between 1.5 and 6.4% of people worldwide are affected by bipolar disorder. However, it's hard to say which number is more accurate due to the frequency of wrongful diagnosis. One study found that 69% of people with bipolar were initially diagnosed with something else. Approximately one-third of those individuals remained misdiagnosed for at least 10 years. And our source is higherpower.com. Uh, 1.4 to 6.4 so anywhere from you know 2 to 7 people out of 100 but you know the way we throw it around you would think half the people in the world uh, is bipolar Mm -hmm. Um, but that's neither here nor there Montrese can you kind of tell us uh, about your background uh, how you got started how you got here what what made you get to this point decide on this career did this career decide on you or you decided on the career so just give us a little a little bit of background on you i've seen you on social media we did a podcast together i don't know you personally but you have a wealth of knowledge just from my interactions with you so just kind of give us a background okay well i started out as a nurse i was a nurse 20 years and i decided i wanted to do more so i went back and Mm -hmm. got my adult gerontology nurse practitioner Mm -hmm. and then I got interested in mental health because I kept seeing a lot of like my hypertensive patients and my Mm. um, diabetic patients who were not controlled. And when I would start talking to them, I would learn that it was something deeper, Mm -hmm. something deeper going on. And then my daughter, she went through some mental health issues Mm -hmm. um, on her own. She's bipolar and I wanted to help her. And I had a hard time trying to find therapy for her, Mm -hmm. um, a psychiatrist for her. The waiting list was ridiculous. So I started digging in, studying. I became interested in being a mental health nurse practitioner, so I went back to school Mm -hmm. for that about two years ago. Okay. 
Yes. So uh, you enjoy it? You, you like what you do? I love it. Okay. It's stressful, but <laughs> yeah. I love it. So um, I know you mentioned your daughter uh, being bipolar, and we, we led in with the, the QD of the hour. All right. And told y'all, I gave my confession. I was transparent about me laughing at my brother, picking on him for being bipolar. But what is bipolar? Break it down in your terms, um, okay. what it is for. There's a bipolar one and two mm-hmm. um, with one of them that you have mania episodes where you like feel, um, I'll say real high is how I mm-hmm. will describe it. And then you have the depression where you feel real low mm-hmm. and you cycle between the two mm-hmm. and it is mixed mixed diagnosed a lot i have seen a lot of patients who come in to me because by the time they get to me mm-hmm. they've already been through the therapist and because mm-hmm. i do the medication aspect mm-hmm. of it and it's only 15 minutes so mm-hmm. the bulk of it i will say comes from the therapist okay mm-hmm. and um I see depression tagged to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is if they are bipolar and you're treating them for depression and you give them an SSRI, something like Zoloft, you're going to send them into mania. Now, you said SSI. Uh, If you give them something like, let's say. (laughs) What what is this? It's an antidepressant. Okay. But with bipolar, you have to treat it first with a mood stabilizer. You can't just jump into antidepressant because if you do, then you're going to send them into mania. Be- because you want to stabilize their right. mood. They're going in between right. the different moods, which, you know, that's so, important for people to know. Right. Yeah. So um, you have to you have to have the mood stabilizer plus the antidepressant. It works together. Um, just from you giving medication, and we're going to get back to bipolar, but how would you suggest that people advocate for themselves? Like, you know, if, some, if a medication isn't working, specifically with um, psychiatry if a medication is isn't working um how yeah how do they advocate for themselves and okay. they may not know that all right i'm being misdiagnosed but they know that they just don't feel right so how do they advocate for themselves i feel that it starts with them talking to their primary care provider mm-hmm. and i even tell them because we only have like 15 minutes mm-hmm. To get in there and is your medication working? I said, don't stop. Don't hesitate to slow me down. If I'm going too fast, if it's something that you need to tell me, you're going to help me treat you. Mm -hmm. So slow me down. Tell me you feel different. Tell me, um, you know, if you're feeling worse. Mm -hmm. Just tell tell me how you're feeling. So once I get patients to open up to me and and I let them know that I'm human, I understand, and I'm not just pushing numbers, they'll tell you you if medication Mm -hmm. is working or not. All right, so getting back to bipolars, you know, it's, um, going between highs and lows. Uh, anything else? Was that bipolar one? Which one you was just playing into us? Or you? Um, both one and two. Okay. Kind of flip between. Uh, is there a major difference between one and two? Um, with the bipolar two, I would say patients stay in the depressed mode more. Okay. okay. All right. Bipolar one and two patients can have depression, but they in bipolar two you see them in a depressed mode more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You said it's it's misdiagnosed. Do you have you seen where it's something else that they typically diapro, uh, diagnosed with instead of uh, bipolar? Yes, depression. Okay. Anxiety. I think that's the this label that we the put initial, on everybody because yeah, you know, yeah. like when you come into the doctor's office. Um, because I do primary care as well, the nurses will give like a PHQ-9 where it screens for depression. Mm-hmm. 
they don't have anything to screen for bipolar. They don't have anything to, to screen for the other mm-hmm. diagnosis. They just have depression. Okay. And uh, I just want to add, um, there is another uh, newer condition called disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, DMDD. And this condition is often misdiagnosed in children. So, of course, it's a newer diagnosis. Um, and it's a lot of research going around that a lot of kids have been diagnosed with bipolar, but they actually experience DMDD. So if you all feel the need to research that um, diagnosis a little more than definitely do. Right. Right. And when you said PHQ-9, that is Patient Health Questionnaire. Yes. Yeah. And yes. it's just giving you... Screens um, for depression. Yeah, screens for depression. And anxiety, too, or just depression? Just depression. Just depression. Okay. For anxiety, they use a, a scale GAD-7 yeah. is what they use. Okay. And speaking on what you were speaking on, um, a lot of children are labeled as just being bad, mm-hmm. um, disrespectful, and... I feel like when they label with that, then they're going to miss the help that they need. Yes. Because mm-hmm. then we're going to tend to discipline them the way mm-hmm. we were brought up. Mm-hmm. And that's not what mm-hmm. they need, some of them. And if they don't get the right treatment, they're going to grow into Pattern. adults with yep. yes. I'm glad that you highlighted that. Yes. That if we don't assess and care for the condition up front when we see those red flags or when we see those different symptoms that condition can progress into something um uh, to a more severe condition right Right. Mm -hmm. um and it's you know when you say that about kids and parenting you may have to parent differently once you Mm -hmm. uh, take into consideration uh, a particular uh diagnosis and when it came when it comes down to bipolar one or two when we're talking about families, what is something that you would want to share with families on how to deal with someone who has bipolar one or two? Just in, not necessarily a specific problem, but just in everyday life. That's a good question. It is. I tell my family members who are dealing with someone who has, they need therapy themselves because mm. they have to be trained on how um, not to react and how to react because you can make it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, with me, when my daughter is going through her moods and she's just real irritable, I know the back back. Mm-hmm. The my parenting, she would get her behind tore up. Mm-hmm. But I know to just from working with it, to just kind of leave her alone back back. Mm-hmm. And both parents, I I teach parents, especially with children, it takes both parents. Mm-hmm. I feel like they have to have a strong a support system. support system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Support system is big in general, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so going going to you uh, going on to uh, schizophrenia, um, can you kind of break that down in your own way? What what that is? What we looking for when we talking about schizophrenia? Okay, I will like to say that most people think that schizophrenic patients are violent. No. That's that's a myth. Yeah. Most of them not violent. Um, I will say it is one that's misdiagnosed as well. It's not people say that they have like double personalities or mm-hmm. it's not that either. Um, they just have real distinct without going into the DSM five criteria. They just have real distinct um, features. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the parents with them, the, the, the same thing. Um, providing the support system right. for them mm-hmm. um, and knowing how to, to talk talk with them. Um, one of the things that stands out for me, without going too much into it, you know, when we're talking about someone with schizophrenia, I always look at they have a reality that yeah. might not align right. with ours, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's their reality. Right. And when you start to trying to debunk mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. or trying to tell them that their reality isn't real, mm-hmm. that becomes a problem. Yeah. Right. Um, not to say that we, you know, we should. Um, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, um, but not that we should kind of. I'm trying to think of the word. Um, like push it on. Or yeah, push mm-hmm. it on and say, "Oh, it's okay. You can." Be, not that we, mm-hmm. not that we're just enabling them. Right? Yeah. Not that we're enabling them, but that you're gonna create a bigger fight mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. try to prove to them that their reality right. is not true. You know, uh, oftentimes when I've dealt with them mm-hmm. in therapy and outside of it, I ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. a lot of questions, trying to get to the root of, okay, why are you thinking that this is reality? Right. Where is this? coming from does it always end up in 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 um some type of great big uh light bulb went off mm-hmm. no but it does give them actually validation that i'm listening right? yeah that right. i'm hearing sometimes they might get frustrated but most of them are like oh, okay this person is really listening they really want to know they really want to under mm-hmm. understand me right um so yeah schizophrenia and i hate i hate too oftentimes when people get to the point where they look at schizophrenia, and like you said earlier, they try to make it one of those things where um, the person is so violent, mm-hmm. so aggressive. That stigma. No, mm-hmm. they're not aggressive. They're not violent. You know, that situation might have caused them to get angry, mm-hmm. right. and they might have got to that particular level. But all in all, and over overall, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not at that situation. Right. Um, do you see often, um, like how often do you see the the schizophrenia, the bipolar, uh, or is it like with what you do? Do you see a lot of different people, a lot of with a lot of different diagnoses, or is it your concentration on My one man, or two things? Bipolar, I see some schizophrenia patients, um, anxiety, depression. I will say back to the schizophrenic patients, we have to be aware that some have hallucinations, some have mm, delusions. Yes. I forgot about that. And yeah. not that we're going to talk to them and make them. We don't want to. How can I say this? It might be real to them. Yes. We don't want to encourage them. Like if they say they hearing things, we don't want to say, well, you know, mm-hmm. that's but, not true. Right. Or, mm-hmm. Right. Because it's real to them. To them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, so what what about this is um one of my favorite one of my favorites, narcissistic personality oh, wow. disorder. <laughs> and the reason I say it's one of my favorite because people is oh you're a narcissist. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Right. Um can you kind of give us a backdrop or background on on, on, yeah. on that? Yes, and it's kind of floating around social media. Yes. And I think that everybody who's been in a bad relationship, they label mm-hmm. the person, oh, they narcissistic. And to be honest. Can, can you say that one more time for the people in the back? <laughs> everybody that's been in a bad, bad relationship, relationship. <laughs> they label them as, <laughs> as narcissistic. Yeah. And to be honest. Sometimes you're just in a bad relationship. Just in a bad relationship. Yeah. And I hate to see that word thrown around mm-hmm. because yeah. it is a serious, you know, um, mental disorder mm-hmm. illness and i feel like um some of the the symptoms of like you know thinking highly of yourself mm-hmm. we're supposed to think highly of yeah. ourselves we're supposed to be confident we we <laughs> are but i will say that they can be very manipulative yes. that is a key sign mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the manipul- ma- manipulation Relation. is yeah. real mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um and and manipulation uh 
would you say control? Control, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, confidence and just being deceitful, lying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that don't mean just because somebody deceitful that they narcissistic, right? Right. Or they they confident they narcissistic. Um, what? Let me see here. What I got written down here. And I I also like to add that um, just to feedback off of what you said that some people can have those negative characteristics, but that doesn't make them narcissistic. Right. You know, they can have poor characteristics where they may um, be a little a little controlling mm-hmm. in some aspects. But we're talking about a serious mental health illness of a person that does this routinely in every relationship mm-hmm. they deal with, mm-hmm. not just um, in a you know romantic relationship, but maybe in a parent to child relationship or in a sibling relationship mm-hmm. or even coworkers, you know, right. on the job. Mm-hmm. That's a major one. This could be opinion based, but can a narcissistic person have a healthy relationship? And this, mm. this is this is not we're not talking evidence based. I'm, I'm going to say yes, they can. I believe the key to is controlling the symptoms and that therapy. Mm-hmm. That that cognitive the CBT. Um, I feel like that therapy is important because yes. when somebody want to wants to do better, mm-hmm. they can be taught to do better. And I'm glad that you mentioned that internal desire. You know, if a person is narcissistic and they don't see themselves as a narcissistic right. person or they don't see anything wrong, those patterns might continue. But if you have that internal desire to change and to want a healthy mm-hmm. relationship, that's where it starts. Right. You have to that's actually right. want that and work towards it. Mm-hmm. You know, in grad school, I actually wrote a paper on narcissistic personality disorder. And I, y'all forgive me, I called Kanye a narcissistic. I said he had it mm-hmm. based on the way I wrote wrote the paper. Now, I don't really still uh, think that. I do think he has some things that comes out as right, narcissistic. Yeah, right. but I don't think he, he has it now. But, you know, we have to be careful and this is why people don't like labels because mm-hmm. when you put labels on people then there's certain things that's associated with that label you know uh, i used to say all the time some stereotypes are true right mm-hmm. so you label this person they become a stereotype now you're putting them here yeah you, you're putting them in this little you're putting them in this little box and mm-hmm. saying this is who they are at the end of the day we're still individuals right right that's what we need to say we need to think about first and then secondly we need to be careful about just <laughs> taking what social media is saying just putting it on somebody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes people can become what you say to them all the time you mm-hmm. just keep throwing that at them mm-hmm. they're gonna mess around and just start really behaving uh in in that manner um anxiety can, so. let's, can I go back to that bipolar one for okay. children? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like for parents, um, I know when I was trying to get help for my daughter, I don't. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage parents to not get dis- discouraged yeah. because, like you say, they don't want to just stick a child mm-hmm. at a you know before a certain age mm-hmm. with a certain mm-hmm. diagnosis like bipolar. You can't just do that mm-hmm. because once you label them as such. It's going to follow them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's very important. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. And mm-hmm. also, um, when you were saying that about um, it was hard to find a therapist, sometimes it's hard to find um, a psychiatrist, 
hard to find don't mean impossible right. to find. It's mm-hmm. just uh, being consistent and persistent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, I'm out here uh, as other people out here, but you got to. You got to know who to look for, who to talk to. Don't be scared to talk to people that you actually know. I'm pretty sure you have a big circle. You might not be able to see that person, but you know somebody that can see them. Right. So utilize for anybody that's listening. Utilize your resources. Talk to people who are in the field um, who can lead you in the right direction. And there's so many people, as often as I say this, it still seems like people don't know. You can go to a website called Psychology Today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that has all the therapists, not all the therapists, but a lot of therapists mm-hmm. go, and, and that's a directory mm-hmm. of therapists. And in that directory, you can see who has a specialization, if they have one, mm-hmm. who completely and totally deals with this particular population, which is what you want, mm-hmm. ideally, in anything that you, you're going through mentally. If that person... Um, if that therapist usually sees those type of people, then they're going to be the most benefit. Well, you would think that they would be the most benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but Psychology Today is one of them. Therapy for Black Girls is another website that you can go to to find a directive therapist. Therapy for Black Men. Um, there's Open Path Collective um, that is out there. And it's, it's a couple of more that won't come to my mind right now. But on those websites, it has not only the therapist, but psychiatrists too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can find them is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and then what else I was going to say? I was going to ask you a question that just left me as I started talking about that. That's okay. I will like to stress a lot of patients, like when they go to therapy or when they meet the psychiatrist, if they didn't have a good feel, they're kind of hesitant about going back and I try to encourage them to go back or ask for someone else because mm-hmm. everybody's not going to be up the yeah. fit that you need and you have to feel mm-hmm. comfortable with the therapist or your psychiatrist because mm-hmm. if you don't you're not going to listen to them you're not going to be able to establish that relationship yeah. and work together mm-hmm. yeah. that um they say one of the most important things when it comes down to the success of therapy is the therapeutic alliance mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. what kind of bond you have with the person that you sit in the cross from. Mm-hmm. Do you trust them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you believe in them? Uh, and then, you know, like you said, can I believe in them? Have I built up enough, have they built up enough rapport and credibility where, you know what, I actually want to go to, I want to listen to what they got to mm-hmm. say. I want to implement that into um, my life. Um, so before we end, I kind of wanted to talk about like anxieties. Okay. Um, is there anything you, because that's a real broad, it, it can be really, really broad. Right. Uh, and as you uh, alluded to earlier, it's like typically when people come in for the first time, you can slap, uh, well, I shouldn't say it in that <laughs> manner, but you, <laughs> you can just slap this diagnosis on them. But um, they can meet the criteria for uh, general anxiety disorder mm-hmm. or they can meet the criteria for um, major depressive disorder. Right. Um, so, in general, what what would you like to give with with regards to anxiety? Anxiety, I feel like that's a diagnosis that a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. And if they have never experienced mm-hmm. anxiety, especially with the, the GAD, it can feel like a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I know from personal experience. But it can feel like you're having a heart attack. And um, they're going to rule out everything cardiac first. Mm-hmm. But it's real. And don't just, you know, brush people off oh. because they have anxiety. So I, I learned I have learned to l- really listen to my patients. Mm-hmm. If 
say there they come in and the blood pressure is two points low and they they have anxiety, that's major to them. Mm-hmm. I don't downplay that. Mm-hmm. Do you have um so when they're coming into you, they're already diagnosed at that point, right? Pretty much so. Okay. And that's because the psychiatrist that I've been working with, he's been at the practice longer than okay. I have. So I am pretty much getting the ones that's already diagnosed. Okay. I do have some that aren't diagnosed. And I had my own practice for like a year. So I did a lot of diagnosing mm-hmm. with okay. that. Now, do you, do you have like, do you give medication or do psychiatrists, not you, do psychiatrists give medication based off of the diagnosis or based off of the individual, if that makes sense? Most give it off the diagnosis. I'm going to tell you how I do it because I'm not comfortable. Um, I'm not saying that I don't trust the diagnosis that they come mm-hmm. in with, but I have mm-hmm. to talk to them myself at, at least mm-hmm. that first time so that I can make sure I'm giving them a medication yeah. that suits them. For example, um, say someone comes in because I do primary care as well mm-hmm. and they have migraines or they have back pain, the sciatica, mm-hmm. and but they also have you know depression or but I try to give them something that maybe can help both like with Mm -hmm. um, gabapentin black box you can treat it you can use that for headache so I try to give them that um, and just document why Mm -hmm. I am using it black box so I can treat both focusing on those person centered symptoms versus looking at the overall diagnosis and saying this is what you need Mm -hmm. yeah I like that approach Mm -hmm. all right so anything you would share in general any um, um, parting statements you would want to give about any of those things that we just talked about anxiety, narcissistic, schizophrenia, um, the schizoaffective, um, and what bipolar one and two? Do not be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Um, don't think that just because, say, you put on medication, don't think that just because you started on medication that you're going to have to be on it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay not to be okay. Not okay to just stay there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of people out here who want to help, who are trying to help. Find those people. Put them, those people around you. Put them in your life so that you can get to um, where you want to be overall in life. Right. Um, that being said, um, can I how say can one they, more thing? No, you can't say nothing. You I can't say one more thing. No, you can say something else. Go ahead. I want to also <laughs> say that um, you can believe in God and still seek mental health mm-hmm. help because I always tell people when they tell me where um, – well, I talked to the preacher and I talked to this person, that person, church, that's fine and well. But speak to someone who's certified, who has the training to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tell them faith without works is dead. So yeah. God put people in different places mm-hmm. for different things. You yeah. got to do the work. That's right. Most definitely. And we out here. Um, those people that you can, you can utilize beyond just your spiritual network um there are other people out here that can help you uh, along the way all right uh subscribe to speaking with gravity on facebook instagram threads uh and tiktok and um 
check out the if you're a man and you're looking at this you're listening you want to know more um maybe we'll get you to come down here again at a later date okay um but i i do a um bipoc wellness group for men mm-hmm. um men only uh on the fourth wednesday of each month so you know if you're a man and you're listening to this you can check in with us but it's, it's got to be in person i don't do the virtual thing because i want to I want the privacy to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that out. Shout out to Mr. Winston, who is behind the camera um, and recording us and producing mm-hmm. everything so that we sound really, really, really good when you're listening to us in your car. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to tell them how they can find you? Uh, okay. I work at um, Sand Hills Medical Foundation. We have like five offices, but I'm based in Lugolf. So... Just type in Sand Hills Medical Foundation. And if she is booked, you just, I always, I always tell people this too. Um, when it comes down to it, if, if it's three months out, if it's four months out, just go ahead and set the right. appointment. Go ahead and set you it. Know, it. I would rather you set the appointment than for you to wait three more months and four more months and then try mm-hmm. to find something. It's, it's not going to happen like that. Right. So go ahead, set the appointment now. You can try to find something in the meantime, in between time, but just go ahead and set the appointment. If you don't, then now you got an appointment three months out. Right. And I will tell them, even if they get an appointment three months out, I tell my patients to call each week because people are going to counsel, mm-hmm. people are mm-hmm. going to no-show. And sometimes you can get the provider to double. I do a lot of double booking. Mm-hmm. So you can get them to double book to, to fit you yeah, in based depending on, on your their need. severity. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say double book, can you explain what you mean by that? Because, you know, like with um, therapy, I think you all have like 45. How many minutes do you get? Um, 30, anywhere 45? from 45 to 60, depending on whether it's private practice, if you're it depends on the, the the provider. Okay. I do 50 to 60 minutes. Okay. But it can go as low as 43 minutes, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for me, my initial visit, their initial visit with me would be 30 minutes and then 15 minutes. Double booking would mean, okay, this patient really needs to be seen, so I'm, I'm going to see two in the... Oh, okay. To be honest, I'm going to work through my lunch break. Okay. That's what it really means. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying double booking, like if I typically give somebody 15 minutes or 30 minutes i would give you a double book i'm gonna give you an hour or i'm gonna give you 30 minutes i'm gonna do to, fit which, two patients in okay two is patients what in. okay what's gonna be all right um double booking means a little bit something different for therapy that means i'm i don't put two people at the same time oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what i was thinking at first like oh i didn't mean to do that and i have done that too mm-hmm. um but uh, i'm glad you said that about the booking too because when they're talking to you they're really giving symptoms of what's happening you're taking it all in and mm-hmm. then you're giving them medication management based off of that right but right. when it comes down to therapy i mean you're getting that 43 minutes that 60 minutes to work through those symptoms yeah, right. to give you coping skills for those symptoms that are not related to the medication to mm-hmm. give you interventions to help with that that's not related to the medication it's really good to do both I have I see where sometimes people will either just do therapy or people would just do medication management. But it's really, really good if you can do both right. mm-hmm. um, to kind of get the best uh, out, of, out of your situation. That being said, thank you all. Thank you all for listening to yes. us, whoever is out there. Um, thank you, Montrese, for taking for time me. out of your day to yes, come and, and give this information that people need and want, actually. Mm-hmm. Um you didn't have to do that. Um, this is not paid time, so you didn't have to do it. So I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, and the audience appreciate it as well. 
Thank you for listening. You could be doing anything in the world, but you chose to listen to us, and we appreciate that. Remember, this isn't therapy. It's a podcast.